passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the post-wrestling site. A-E-W, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the bug stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the season finale of Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. Hello, Wei. What's up, John? How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing all right. I, I know exactly what that means. <laughs> I don't know what it means. I, I don't know. I don't have a... Do you drink... How many coffees did you have today? Zero. Zero. Oh, no, today? I, I had okay. one, like, this morning. Uh I, I'm not a. I don't drink coffee a, a, in the evening anymore. Monday was a unique situation. Mm, mm. Yeah, no. I, I'm. I, it was a. It was a no coffee day for me. Um, I did have one tea, so. Okay. <laughs> just just to get people a gauge into you know what's 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 driving today's show. Okay. Well. Uh, glad that your tea is uh bringing you to. This late hour. At, I did. Uh, at I did nap before. I really needed one this morning. I, anyway. <laughs> oh so. my god! I did the exact same thing, man. I napped. I had a tea. Like, how yeah. old are we? Are we like sixty-five? I don't like, know. Can we man. just can no, we just like officially take... state we're like senior citizens now? It's like yeah, here you, to talk you, about our wrestling stuff. You take your Metamucil this morning uh, oh. or evening? I don't. <laughs> I walked around the block tonight. <laughs> yeah, I got this brand new cane. It's awesome, John. Like, hey, a it'll new walker. be. I'll, I'll totally use a cane one day. I'd be I'd be fine with that. I think canes can look very stylish. For sure. You with a cane though? Hmm. I'm trying to think about that. It'd be a little awkward, but um, you'd get yeah. used to it. Would you get like a like something like a? I'm not having a cane discussion. We're we're <laughs> I'm not gonna have this clip isolated and thrown back at me tomorrow okay. uh, talking about my uh, my old age. Um, I got I got my booster shot today, so I'm in very good spirits about that. It was a very uh. Flawless procedure in terms of a wait time, uh, execution. There was no blood, so she she told me she said no blood. You don't even get a band aid. It's like okay, wow. great, that's fantastic. When I went in for my shot, I actually ended up getting into a conversation. So uh, this guy was talkative, like unusually talkative, for, and, and I, I appreciate we, it. We had, we had a talker that was overseeing the lineup. He's just talking to everybody. It's like if if you're going to be waiting in line, you do kind of want to have that guy that's sort of the ringleader here. That's just making conversation with people like you're, you're there all day for all I know, he's volunteering his time. I mean, mm-hmm. what a, what a positive individual to have in what is kind of just this, uh, can be a very mundane process if you're uh, just there waiting and waiting and waiting. 
Oh yeah, I could seem like these sort of environments can seem very bleak and very cold. So I think this guy, I mean, it was probably as much for his own sanity as it was to, you know, help the patients feel, feel good. But you just like, you know, I went into the room, he started a conversation, he asked what I did. And of course, it's always a bit of awkwardness. Like I do a professional wrestling podcast, you know, and then um, typically like people are kind of curious about wanting to either they'll either be completely disinterested and be like, oh, OK, whatever, like loser, you know, or they'll be very interested. And this guy was uh, more of the interested one, but he was not a wrestling fan. He 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 instead wanted to talk a bit about MMA. And it turns out he this guy trains like he he does jujitsu. So I ended up getting my jujitsu update from this guy. Um, so it was uh that was my memory of getting my booster shot. Okay, I had nothing near the experience that you did. It was um, she was a little annoyed that I, I wore like this button up shirt that was not not optimal for uh, jabbing me in my like upper arm. So I had to apologize for the shirt I wore, uh, and then she uh stabbed me and no blood. Then Did I you get a five... piece of cotton? No, I didn't even get a piece of cotton. I got no cotton either. No, no. It was uh the the wait time has gone down now after the after the needle. Before it was like a fifteen minute wait to just sit around and I guess not keel over and die. Yeah. And it's now five minutes. It's like okay, this you're, you're fine. I had no wait time at all. Like they just told oh. me to get the hell out of there. So yeah, they got they gotta they gotta process people through. You know what I mean? It's like we'll give you the needle and then you're. You're out on your own, okay? Don't, I think uh, soon don't we'll, faint. Nothing nothing bad is going to happen. Oh, soon we'll be doing this like via drive-thru, I'm sure. You know, it's like picking <laughs> up your uh, chicken, McChicken. Can I you know? get the Moderna with a root beer and I'll take a bandage, upsize it to the double vax? Yes, yes. I have a mm-hmm. coupon. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, well, I mean, maybe at some point. But, uh... <laughs> This is a very different type of a conversation about COVID than the one we had this afternoon, John, with uh, me, you. I, and I can't. I can't have the so. doom and gloom discussions about about COVID. Okay, I need to. I need to have some lighthearted approach to uh, th- this pandemic. I know it's awful news, but I'm I'm surrounded by awful news all day about this pandemic. So, well, I wouldn't. I, really I need say to make light of it, and I think people want to hear us. Uh, not be sure so, you, yeah. you want to hear a serious discussion about it by all means check out our interview with dr alex patel today he was uh fantastic as always very accommodating and i wouldn't time. say it was doom and gloom john like it was informative dr alex no patel i'm not i'm not speaking about cheerful no no no, no he no, always not... like has great information you know and and it helps kind of really put my mind at ease about a lot of the questions that are going on uh it, it's a show that i've already shared with a lot of people that i know will benefit from it so do check that out this afternoon from the Post News Update. It was free and available on all feeds. No, I wanted to actually say that's one of the things I think people enjoy about uh, Dr. Alex Patel coming on is that he is not uh, doom and gloom about everything. If anything, I usually come away with those conversations with a lot of optimism uh, from what he shares. Um, but it is the overall sentiment. Uh, and maybe it's just me uh, just listening to so much. It's just uh, it's a lot to handle. Yeah, no, I can understand that. Absolutely. So hopefully everybody is staying safe. This is, uh, we should also mention, this is the last live show that we're doing, you and I together, John. I mean, well, that's not technically true. We're going to be live tomorrow afternoon at 12 o'clock. But this is the last Rewind a Blank show that we're going to do for this year because you and I are going to be off from doing daily updates and also these shows next week. So in this place, we'll actually be BD Elite our friends at Up Next, they do a, a Dynamite review every single week, so you'll get to hear their perspectives on 
New Year's Bash. Is that what they're calling it? New Year's no, Bash? No, it's New Year's Smash. Oh, okay. So we got the Bash today. We got the Smash next week. That's right. So, so join those guys for that. Uh, but yeah, we're we're set to take uh, the week off, but that doesn't mean that we won't have any extra programming here. Of course, we have the Christmas show that's coming out on Friday. Uh, some bonus material maybe throughout the week. Some best of material maybe throughout the week next week as well. But yeah, so there's that. I also wanted to draw people's attention to MCU Later. We're kind of sandwiched this show between two editions of MCU Later because tomorrow, of course, we have our Hawkeye finale coming out for all patrons. That'll be live with me, WH Park, Nate Milton, and JP Hulhan. But on the feed right now, on the Post Wrestling Cafe feed, I should say, is our MCU Later review of Spider-Man No Way Home. WH Park, me, and John Ceno spent a good hour talking about this film in a conversation I was really happy with. And then the last hour and a half, we just kind of opened it up to the patrons in the room and also in the feedback thread in the forum to ask your questions and, and to leave your thoughts about this movie that seems seemingly everybody is talking about. So I was really happy with the podcast. Check that out if you're a Post Wrestling Cafe patron at postwrestlingcafe.com. That's right. So once again, we'll be back on Thursday, special start time of noon Eastern for the final post-daily news update of the year. And then we will be getting back into our regular schedule beginning with day one on New Year's Day. So you can look forward uh, to that. Let's get into the show. Tonight's holiday bash took place from the Greensboro Coliseum. Very famous building in professional wrestling history. I believe the last show that Sting wrestled in this building was October the 6th of 1994 against Ric Flair, who he also had the famous uh, 45-minute draw with in the same building in 1988. And AEW members Arn Anderson and Dustin Rhodes also on that same card 27 years ago. And this whole show was, uh, a lot of it was built around Sting and just wrestling in the building. And it's, it's a common trait that when AEW, at times when they're in a big location or something that they can market, it's almost like the location becomes a character on the show that you can promote something around. This was Sting being inside these walls for the first time in 27 years, and it it was a huge deal that they made it on the show. You know, obviously not being from the area, and I don't think having really that sort of uh, sentimentality, you know, even watching what little of WCW I did as a kid at the time, it didn't really completely click for me the significance of uh, of, of a setting like this for somebody like Sting. Um, but their constant mentions of it, certainly having Tony Schiavone on this broadcast, you know, it was a night that seemed to mean a whole lot for him as well. And but having him kind of convey the excitement and just essentially the show building itself around this being a significant moment accomplished that you know told me caught me up even even if you weren't a fan of this time that this was a significant moment essentially it felt like it was his hometown yeah yeah that's a a great comparison that's kind of what they made it tonight they opened up the show with Excalibur stating that Jim Ross will be back in this booth very soon and would make a formal announcement of that later in the show and we get into the opening match Adam Cole against Orange Cassidy and a lot of time given to this match. They ended up clocking in at over 17 minutes Uh, in the early onset of the match. It's just 
you know, wrestling holds back and forth between the two, each trying to get the better of the other. The Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler come out and Cassidy takes out Cutler. The best friends run down and there's a big tope suicida by Cassidy. And then Cole runs Cassidy into the steps and goes for the boom. And his exposed knee misses Cassidy going into the steps and he would be affected by the knee injury. They go through the break. Cole hit the Ushiguroshi, but in doing so, used the injured knee, takes a stun dog millionaire and then lands another Ushiguroshi using his good knee. This crowd is chanting Adam Cole at this point. They are completely behind Cole. The Panama Sunrise gets avoided, and Cassidy lures him into a small package, but there's a kick out, Michinoku driver for a two count, and Cassidy puts on his shades, climbs to the top, puts his hands in his pockets, leaps off the top right into a super kick. I've got to say, in this, in this Adam Cole program, Cassidy, like, if you're not really, like, if you don't love the character, you're just watching it kind of uh, just objectively. <laughs> he comes up like an idiot at times. Like, he takes all of this time to do all this all this added stuff that when it works, it's really cool. But when he gets his plans thwarted, it's like, man, you just kind of blew it here. Yeah, there, I mean, it's a, it's a very kind of tongue-in-cheek thing that you, you kind of have to almost be in on in order to appreciate and i mean if you're looking for realism in an orange cassidy match you know you're you're not gonna you're not really gonna find it i i do think like you know like obviously since he's become a star in AEW, they've kind of like molded his indie character in a way to have it make a little bit of more sense in the context of a professional wrestling match and i feel like it the 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 kind of lazy stuff here like was shaped in a way that made it more acceptable than, than than maybe we've seen in previous weeks maybe up until that spot where it was really like a big flying nothing you know like what the hell was he going for i think was he going for some sort of like stage dive type of a trust going for like, of like a high cross off the top with the okay with his but, hands in his pocket but so landing on his a... feet like he was he landed on his feet and then t- anyway it's 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 one of those pro wrestling things it's like an iris whip you just kind of have to suspend your disbelief for but you can absolutely criticize it for maybe how how much it might have taken you out of it because it, it yeah no it, it wasn't a not, not even so spot. much taking me out but one of the things i really enjoy about the cassidy character in AEW is that they've taken all these parts and kind of tightened them in the, in that they have changed them into its mind games and at the end of it all this stuff works for cassidy like when mm-hmm. he finally at the wrestle pack he didn't abandon all of his uh all of these other elements, but it was all in messing with your opponent that it was going to help him instead of this being like his downfall was his own, his own kind of hubris here. Yeah. It wasn't a great looking spot. I mean, but it's Adam Cole the super kick is one of his moves and they just have to get to it somehow. Um, But I, you know, it's, it's a, you kind of have to take the good with the bad, you know, the orange Cassidy character, works because he's a tremendous wrestler but what what makes him stand out from your typical cruiserweight is the fact that he has this gimmick and the audience loves it it's still over you know the 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 lazy super kicks like for as much criticism as there is i think you have you know 50 times more people who absolutely love this stuff so i mean i consider myself one of those fans but not every single spot's gonna work forever for even me well after he lands it he hits the panama my sunrise, but then Cole puts his hands into his trunks 
and goes for a lazy cover, and Cassidy kicks out. The place goes nuts. Cassidy ducks the boom and hits a beach blast for a huge near fall. Bobby Fish appears on the apron, and with the referee distracted, there is Orange Cassidy standing in the ring, and out from the crowd comes Kyle O'Reilly who gets behind Orange Cassidy, nails him, and it leads to Cole hitting the boom and pinning Cassidy in 17 minutes and 7 seconds as they've got another one. The undisputed era, one by one, uh, just uh, growing here in numbers in AEW. Uh, Cole uh, pulls O'Reilly up, and they kind of have a face-off. Like, Cole doesn't know what O'Reilly's intentions are being here. So I thought that was, like, an interesting element here, and it doesn't sort of get solved. Uh, The crowd is chanting undisputed, but then the best friends run down, so they all align together to destroy uh, the best friends, and then the three of them once again are together. The Young Bucks come out, and they get into the ring, and it ends with Adam Cole leaving with Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, but not the Bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, first of all, let's talk a bit about the match. You know, I, I thought the chemistry between these two was really fantastic. It was they, very strong. Early on in the match, they were really kind of conveying this sort of like, you know, um, mirror image um, thing that, that was going on between the two. And, and both of them are just such incredible athletes. Um, I thought they were able to very successfully match each other perfectly in sync with their athleticism and and just kind of their timing and everything. They 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 were wonderful to watch together. Um, and then I thought the finish was like very satisfying here. You know, Kyle O'Reilly is a rumored name that's been batted around. Um, I personally wasn't sure that they would have him. You know, arrive. At this point, you know, maybe I, I was I would have expected it at, at one of the bigger name shows. But when you really think about it, well, what is the difference? You know, like did, did you, you want a giant like, box? <laughs> it's just him to pop out of a giant box. Um, yeah, maybe. Kid, uh, he should. I'm just, you know, maybe he should have showed up with like boxing gloves. You know, that could be the new gimmick. He's the never mind. No, it's not. Doesn't work. But uh, I I love <laughs> I love seeing these three back together. There's just something like that feels so complete about them. I mean, it's like the Beatles, right? They're better as a whole than they are as, sing- as solo solo acts. And uh, I also love the fact that they respected the current canon, like of NXT, even though it was a, a storyline that kind of left off um, from the, that was created by the other show. They recognize the fact that the audience is aware that these two had their breakup. And they're not going to exactly put them together right away. I mean, they ultimately did. And I think the idea was that what, like, I mean, it was was a Cole's box, right? So he had already kind of like, you know, orchestrated to bring Kyle in. Yet, I think they're still going to leave some shred of tension between the two uh, to to, to kind of cure before we we see a full team up. You you did attack me at my jujitsu gym. Yeah, which was caught on security cam- uh, security camera. I I think more power to you. Like you have an audience, probably a high percentage of that watched this feud over the past year. They're your guys now. Why not you? Why not lean into that? Finish the I, story. Yeah, don't insult your audience and d- ignore it. Like there's been work that's been done for you that you get to reap the benefits of by having both guys in your company. So I think yeah. it's um t- totally fine to kind of lean on that. If anything, it's a it's a sign of respect to your audience that we're not just um, 
you know, he's in a new company and it's we just snap our fingers and none of the history exists. Instead, we're going to take that history. And now we have all this stuff to build upon because it's an accepted part of their of their past. It's, it's, it's quite amazing how much like, you know, of the of, of this conversation overlaps with like what's going on in a lot of the MCU movies when they're trying to fold over like, you know, different types of characters for, with with their pre-existing storylines, maybe maybe even from other universes. Um, for me, like what always works better than, than not is to pay respect to the other source material, even if you didn't create it yourself. And to me, this was always one of the big failings of any sort of uh, WWE version of an invasion angle where you got like, why the hell would would the NWO be backing up Sting, you know, against against DX like that? That doesn't make sense to a longtime fan. And it just tells you that, you know, they don't ultimately don't care about the longtime fan uh, when when they when they just, you know, kind of carelessly not explain that type of thing. So I I have faith that AEW will explain what exactly how exactly these two managed to patch up their differences. Um, but they did dangle the thread that, hey, like they might not be friends, but it could be as simple as like a uh, guy needed a job <laughs> like NXT 2.0 came by and like, you know, changed a lot of uh, of of how, uh, you know, what they were fighting over. I mean, Kyle needed a job and uh, they, they made up over uh, Christmas, um, early Christmas brunch or something. Then they recap the Hangman Page, Brian Danielson draw from a week ago and announced the rematch will take place January the 5th on the first episode on TBS from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, which I think once it was official that the Battle of the Belts was going to be an hour, I just thought it made no sense to put it on that show. And this is your best date to schedule this match. So it's a huge match for your debut. Biggest match they could build to at the moment, and um, there's no pay-per-view on the horizon, but you can argue that this TBS debut is is as important as a pay-per-view to AEW. Shivani then brings out Hangman Page, and he says that he almost had it won last week, but Page said when he was handed the title back, he never felt like less of a champion than when he was walking to the back after the match last week. Before he can continue, Danielson comes out, the whole place is chanting yes, and he refers to Paige as the entitled millennial cowboy and makes fun of him sharing his feelings, feeling disappointed, saying, I kicked your ass for 60 minutes, but I'm not going to cry about my feelings. We have a rematch. I'm going to kick your ass again. The only reason I didn't put you away was because of my knee injury from the week before against John Silver. And I will I will not make that mistake again. I will not wrestle in front of you idiots this week. And I won't wrestle in front of you next week. I am not wrestling until the rematch. I will deprive you of seeing this wrestler. <laughs> if you bought tickets, haha. And Paige comes back and says that they got into the deep waters and I swam. And if I had a few more seconds, you would have drowned. He agrees, um, and sorry, um, Danielson threw out the idea of Paige might just stall out for another 60 minutes and we're in a ba- the exact same spot. So he doesn't want to come out here and complain like you entitled millennials would. Instead, I have a solution and proposes judges for the rematch if needed after the 60 minutes. So Paige agrees to this and says, I have come too far to be told I'm not good enough or to be told I'm a B-plus player. If the question is whether Hangman can beat Brian Danielson in less than one hour, the answer will be yes. Mm-hmm. Judges way in New Jersey, the, the, the origin <laughs> of the unified rules of mixed martial arts. There you go. 
So they didn't say who would be pick, picking the judges, did they, in the segment? No. I would imagine you do something next week. Maybe each gets to choose a judge, or you at least just at random name the three judges. And, and do you expect these judges to be contemporary uh, professional wrestlers? Or are we going to expect legends, you know, celebrities? Uh, I'm expecting... I'm expecting some interesting names. I'm sure that Tony Khan is going to have some, like, I wouldn't just pick like any three random people. I think like they will do something that's um, interesting. I also don't think we're going to need the judges. I think like this should be the decisive win mm. for, for page in, in the rematch. I don't think they're going to go the 60, which is fine. I, I think it gets a little gimmicky if we're getting to like reading the judges scorecards out at the end, like impact tried to do that with that, uh, that grand championship of theirs. I just don't think it works for pro wrestling with judges, uh, but it's fine to have it there as, as something if just for the story purpose of it, but not actually leaning on it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it, it just kind of gives a, a bit of believability attached to it. It, it, it gives you a, a chance to have some sort of celebrity cameo. So we'll see who's got a, a book to plug or something. Oh, who's on. Week. Maybe this is Burt Kreischer making his way onto uh, TBS. Oh, but because of the Go Big Show. Okay. You know, the, the night before, it's the night before the return of Go Big Show. I could totally see one of the people being from the the game show, being a judge. Yeah, I mean, who who's the only one left? Is it is it just Bert Kreischer? Um, well, we've seen Rosario Dawson on there. We've seen is Snoop Dogg's T-Pain. T-Pain could come T-Pain's back. He's been there. He's been there, but maybe he can come back as a judge. After the, the burning match that he watched i i don't know if he maybe that's it he's for him. to come back well maybe this is burt kreischer's opportunity he sure why not yeah no it's uh I, i'm looking forward to it i mean who isn't right now after the result that they had and uh it's a stipulation that i think is is satisfying you know it's 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 all they needed you know just the fact that it was something different and essentially it guarantees you a winner how long do you think the rematch goes how, how what, what do you expect the length to be does it does it go 40 I think so. Yeah, I think if it was sub thirty, it would almost feel like something was off. You know, like I feel like these two have established the fact that they're they 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 they're so evenly matched that they they they're going sixty. I think you have to go at least thirty, and I I don't know why you wouldn't because it's a TV show and you want to try to build that audience and as as much as you can by having these two on screen as long as you can. So I would say at least thirty. Or or you could tease the time limit and you go like fifty eight, fifty nine. You can, yeah, sure. Many different options. The Pinnacle are in the locker room, and MJF casually criticizes Wardlow for not getting the champagne quickly enough last week, and notes how they were attacked last week, and it is Wardlow's job to protect them, and that's what he pays him for. So always keeping that uh, at the front of everyone's. Uh, awareness and he blames CM Punk changes his his focus to Punk says they are not a team they are a family Punk is a loner that is teaming up with an emo skater and his creepy clown uncle and they cannot coexist when everything is not about CM Punk that's when the real Punk comes out and says that Punk you are rustier than the knife Darby uses to skin small animals no he makes fun of Sting's Krusty the Clown makeup and <laughs> says that when Punk turned down his handshake, he accepted early retirement. 
And Dax Harwood ends the promo calling them the three kings of pro wrestling. And to become a king, you have to to kill a king, which I could see as being a line that we revisit down the road sometime for Wardlow. Interesting. Oh, okay. Interesting. Interesting. And they, because I mean, it was very clear here, like the the three kings here, excluding Wardlow and and Spears from uh, the kingdom, and says they don't have the balls to kill a king. They are the best unit in this world. Yeah, we got to hear from the best two talkers in this faction, two of the best talkers, I would say, in the entire company, and Dax and MJF, and both of them sounded absolutely great. Wardlow just had a destruction of Sean Dean, four power bombs, but the crowd gets into each successive one, a minute and 11 seconds, and then Spears follows suit using the chair, and Wardlow is just sick of this guy as he walks out and is paying no attention to Sean Spears as the announcers note how Wardlow does all the work and then Spears comes in with the chair shots. Yeah, really just kind of continuing the babyface push for Wardlow here. I mean, very much Brock Lesnar in 2002 model uh, here um, in, in with Wardlow. I, and it's for that reason that like I... I'm hoping to see maybe something a bit different than just, you know, a, a, this this big powerful man who does power bombs. I'm curious to see like in terms of this spear story how they're going to break Wardlow out of it um and the, how they're going to show a side of his personality that might just be bigger more than just, you know, big brute, which I think at this point might be almost a bit of a cliché generic gimmick, I would say. Mm-hmm. I like the way this is coming along. Like it's starting to pick up. They're having him featured in matches on on Dynamite on a much more regular basis, and I think people are like they're putting um, a good amount of focus on it. That it's something that you're interested in week to week as they're kind of ramping up the progression in the story. Uh, we saw some Road Two clips uh, ahead of the Sammy Guevara Cody Rhodes match, noting this was the very first match in Dynamite history back in 2019, and that is coming up on Saturday. Dan Lambert is with the men of the year in a private box. And he says that the biggest problem for these fans are whether to download the latest update on their phone or to turn the light off in their mom's basement. He has built the biggest gym in the world. Being one of Tony Khan's buddies means you become an EVP. Whereas if you're not one of his buddies, you're relegated to opening match status or backstage vignettes. Scorpio Sky was the very first tag champion, the only man to pin Chris Jericho twice. Ethan Page has dressed and wrestled better than anyone since he arrived in this company, but yet they're sitting on the sidelines on Christmas as Cody Rhodes gets yet another title shot. And then Dan Lambert says, the reason I'm here is to get people to cheer for Cody Rhodes. (laughs) And he asks, how can he do that when Cody is a bigger dick than I am? I don't care who you cheer, who you boo. My only concern is that either Sky or Paige get the winner for the TNT championship. And we bring the title back to American top team. I, you know, I, as always, I think Dan Lambert does a great job. I guess my only question is like, what, what did he mean by the only reason he was here was to get people to cheer for Cody? Like, what was that? Was he saying that that was the direction that Tony Khan gave him before he came out to speak? I'm f- I'm assuming that in this in in terms of the storyline, mm-hmm. you are to believe that Tony Khan plays favorites with Cody Rhodes, and that's why he continues to give Dan Lambert a platform here in AEW. 
so what does what does Tony Khan's favoring of Cody have to do with Dan Lambert speaking here? That's what Dan Lambert is. You're not supposed to ne- to believe that that is true, but that is his perspective of why he is why he is here. He is here to get Cody cheered, which is kind of what everybody okay. believes this program is designed for. Right. Okay. So he's saying Tony Khan gave him. Uh, this is all in storyline, everybody. Okay. So it, in storyline, Dan Lambert says he the only reason he got airtime is because he thinks Tony Khan knew he was going to talk shit about Sammy Guevara. Is that the idea? Uh, that it that he has been invited back here because he knows that he's in this uh, feud with with Cody. He, who's in the feud with Cody? Sammy is in the feud with Cody. He is, but you had the whole attack with the men of the year with Cody and Dustin. Okay, so then why? So then why? Okay, never never mind. I don't I don't even care at this point. Um, yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, I'm not saying it was the most uh, genius line or or anything like that. I mean, they're trying, I think, just to get people to. Uh, you're, you're trying to, I think, pull people. Is he in breaking that, the fourth wall? Like, with the uh, to to a degree, yeah. Like, is he saying I was scripted here to get the audience to cheer Cody? Was that what he meant? I think that what you're. I think the way you're to take this is that that's that he believes that the only reason I continually am. The reason I'm here is Cody's getting booed. Yes. And that that is why I continually like why why do I get promo time on this show? Because Tony Khan's favorite is getting booed and I'm here to change that. But you're not as the fan supposed to believe in Dan Lambert that Tony Khan is playing favorites. You're not supposed to believe that there are favorites. So in storyline, because Tony Khan wants he believes Tony Khan wants to diminish the negative reaction that Cody is getting. Yes. He has brought in Dan Lambert, who he thinks the audience will boo more than Cody. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. It's it's in line with like the Cody story that yeah, there is stuff that like it doesn't really uh it is breaking the fourth wall in, in different respects. And you're trying to like kind of uh patch that wall as my, much as you can. It's more so breaking the walls of my brain. Well, to, to try to solve, but it's, I'm sure it works for some people. Shivani is there with Britt Baker rebel and Jamie hater for the Christmas party, um, which was basically an interview. And Shivani just keeps bringing up how she's never beaten Riho. Uh, but this time Baker says, I have Jamie hater by my side. I've built my own throne and kingdom and built the division. I'm a pillar of the entire company. I am the pulse of AEW. Riho is out of her league. And she quotes a Christmas story by stating, you'll shoot your eye out, kid. Mm, all right. For, yeah. uh, I guess, a 38-year-old 30, reference. Uh, that movie know. airs every year, doesn't I it? I know, I know. It's a classic. You can easily quote. Uh, any Christmas movie is really not not bound by uh, restrictions on age. That's right, yeah. Uh, man, these parties, they look kind of lame, honestly. You know, it's, like, uh, it's just the three of them and Tony. You know, I'm sure there's a glass of a wine. Time. Tony's not even there for the whole thing. He's just there for, like, really two minutes, and, and he's there with a the camera crew. Um you know, I mean, not, not much of a party. I, have to say. I mean, they do. They celebrate a lot of holidays with Brit. They do. Yeah. Well, a lot of decorations, a lot of work. But all right. Next was the Owen Hart Cup video. This was fantastic. We had comments from Mark Henry, 
Adam Cole, Matt Hardy, 2.0, Eddie Kingston, Dustin Rhodes, Sean Spears, footage from New Japan, uh, as well as a stampede clip in this as well, uh, mixed in with home videos of Owen with his kids, with Martha, and the overall statement that this was a phenomenal wrestler, but he was a better human being, and that is the more important uh, part of his legacy uh, to all of these people. And this is a tournament that I know fans are going to be into in a big way, but it's a tournament that as much as fans are going to love this, uh, this is going to be the tournament that is going to mean more to the performers in it, I think. And this video mm-hmm. really just captured um, that that sentiment. Like, this is a real, like, I think, feel-good story this year that Owen Hart is being uh, remembered, that AEW has this working relationship with Martha Hart, and I guess uh, the tournament is going to be... I, I think there's there's a lot of interest just in the tournament because of the, the setup of it. I think so. You know, there, there aren't really many figures that are um so as universally loved and revered at this point as as an Owen Hart um and I I I I think this video was probably like the closest thing that we we've gotten to date resembling you know a Hall of Fame induction video or you know um just any sort of like memorial video for for Owen on national on a national wrestling TV program. So this was wonderful. It, it would be great to even hear more cast members be able to speak on on his memory and speak about his legacy as well. So um, I, I wonder if we get any anything more. Um, but maybe it, it doesn't even need it at this point. You know, maybe at this point we've kind of established who this uh, tournament is named after. We're going to see Martha towards the end, and maybe other names from from Owen's past may may show up as well throughout the course. Yeah, I I think it would be incredible if they could have both Martha and Brett at, at double or nothing. But mm-hmm. that is that is probably um, a lot of mending that probably needs to be done. Well, I mean, there's a great cause. I have to say, I feel you know, and and hopefully this would be a setting to encourage. Um, it, it would be a really nice moment, given that like like Brett and Martha, like they they have had their their problems over the years. It would be a really nice moment if the two of them uh, could like bury the hatchet for something like that. I think it would mean a lot for a lot of people to to see that. Are, are there any like the current generation hearts that are active uh, and unsigned that you think may may fit? You know, potentially, and maybe not this year's tournament, but a future iteration of an Owen Hart Cup. Mm, I mean, there's Harry. I mean, mm, he's right. You know, he he was let go this year. I mean, he's out there. Yeah, no, I'm just kind of curious. I I don't really hear much about like you know the next generation of Hearts. Uh, the TBS semifinal match: Nyla Rose and Ruby Soho. Um, we should note at the beginning here, and I don't want to give it too much attention, but there was a, a very visible transphobic sign here, like facing the hard camera that was directed right at Nyla Rose as she was uh, entering the ring. I just thought that this was so appalling um, that this uh, sign was was there, that someone would go to the effort uh, to make a sign like that to make sure that Nyla Rose sees it. Um, I don't know. There were There were people stating that they... Uh, saw the person that was ended up staying in the crowd. I don't know what happened with this person. I would have zero tolerance of just throwing that person out of the building. There's obviously no place for that. And I thought that it was just a uh, a horrible part of this show that somebody 
uh, brought a sign like that to the show. Nyla Rose uh, begins the match by attacking Ruby Soho as she's doing her pose in the ring. And Soho is sent into the steps, injuring her shoulder, which allowed them to bring up the past surgeries that Ruby had. And she sold this shoulder very effectively for the rest of the match, basically having one arm, uh, which uh, was further injured when uh, when you had uh, Vicky get involved. And it led to Vicky being injured. or sorry, Ruby getting draped onto the top and Rose hitting her flying knee off the top, landing on the shoulder, and they're bringing up the the past problems with the shoulder. Ruby is fighting back with one arm and manages a one-armed dragon sleeper. Then Vicky distracts Aubrey, and Ruby comes over and nails her uh, with the the no-future kick, the previously named riot kick. And Rose hits her with a beast bomb. Ruby kicks out. And then as Nyla climbs the turnbuckle, holding onto the arm, Nyla yanks her off the turnbuckle in to the no future kick, pinning Nyla Rose and advances to the final to face either Thunder Rosa or Jade Cargill, who will be wrestling on next Wednesday show. I thought the match was decent. You know, um, I don't I wouldn't say it went perfectly. That jacket, I mean, they were about to bring out the jaws of life to get Ruby Riot out of her, her jacket or uh, off the top there. But uh, I thought it was successful overall. The crowd is clearly very behind Ruby Soho and continues to be. I think Nyla Rose is absolutely terrific as a partner for any babyface on this women's roster. Um, everybody, you know, is able to shine as a babyface against her. She, she Her confidence and I think her ability to control the ring under unpredictable situations you know uh like like the jacket like you know uh, whatever else may go wrong in these matches i i think is always impressive uh and the finish i thought looked really good the new no feature kick off the uh, corner yeah i i thought from like the flying knee spot onward with with the shoulder i, I thought ruby selling was was very nice uh for, for for like the closing stretch here it was a it was a unique finish that looked good got over with the crowd and ruby advances so I guess like next week will be very interesting because you either go with like the woman you have been pushing so hard in Jade Cargill and it's really sending her into the deep end with these with the Thunder Rosa match and then with Ruby Soho where you can't get away with just doing two or three minutes or you go with what is going to be the superior in-ring match of Ruby and Thunder Rosa in the final. It's a good question. Yeah, Um, I think they could do. Jade and Soho, I feel. Um, either way, I, I think I think they're pretty like you know high caliber matches. Um, you know, for the like both would be appropriate finals. It, it, it I guess depends on who who you think is going to win the championship afterwards. Yeah. Um. You know, a lot of people looked at Jade Cargill like this just sets her up for that. There's a part of me that also sees like if Jade could come out, whether it be against Thunder Rosa or going to the final, and having like an extended match where she looks really good and that is her first loss. I think in a way that might benefit her more in the long run. Um, But there's different situations. Uh, Like you can go in different directions here. Um, You know, Thunder Rosa winning is probably the, uh, the furthest uh, outcome, but I I think you could make interesting cases for, for any three of these to win the tournament. Agreed. Serena Deeb. This feud with Hikaru Shida is never going to end. She accuses Shida of cheating last week. You have never won decisively. And this is not over. It's going to go on and on until my work with you is done 
and I beat you so badly that you are begging Tony Khan to keep me away from you. So forget part three. Wait, there is no final chapter. Um, how many chapters are there? I don't know. I thought three, but uh, we're getting a fourth. This is the only like continual like rematches we are getting in AEW. It's it's these three, uh, these two. But the matches so far have been. I would say the first two a little bit more so than than last week's, but they've been good matches, really good matches. They have been good matches, but yeah, um, I'm I'm kind of curious about the thinking behind this because I feel like AEW has tried not to do the endless loop of 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 endless rematches over and over. So I'm curious why they decided to do this one and whether or not there's going to be actually any finality attached to it or not. That's what I would think. Like, if you're going to go to a fourth match, there has to be some big stakes involved for for this. Like they, um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like you what? Have, um, Serena Deeb puts her hair on the line. I love it. I was going to say hair versus hair. That could be. You could go that way. Although she'd already cut her hair this year. Right? Bald, completely bald. You have to go. Bald, okay. Hmm. Hmm. All right. On to maybe the most enjoyable five minutes. Malachi Black and Griff Garrison. <laughs> Pillman and Garrison come out. They are so happy. They are playing the varsity blondes to the tilt as they come out as they are just marching towards their doom. And Garrison, the bell rings. He sprints at Malachi Black right into a head kick. And Black goes to the floor to confront Pillman as Garrison nearly kills himself with this suicide dive onto Malachi Black. He almost like overshot him. It was <laughs> it, it actually looked amazing because it was so like clunky. Garrison's on the attack, but then he gets stopped with these brutal leg kicks. Black goes with his deep heel hook and Garrison is uh, making his way to the rope. There's a brutal kick to the body leg in the corner. It just looks uh, his offense is great. Garrison gets a reprieve by snapping Black's throat onto the middle rope and hits a rolling elbow for a two count. But as he goes for an atomic drop, Garrison's knee gives out from the leg kicks and Black lifts up Garrison. You think he's going for the Black Mass. Instead, he clips the knee and applies a single leg crab, submitting Garrison in three minutes and 16 seconds. But that was not the the pinnacle. The climax comes as Brian Pillman comes in to check on poor Griff, and he stands up and he eats the most incredible black mass that uh, that Malachi Black has thrown. Like Phoenix took a great one, Fuego del Sol took a great one. Pillman is right on par with those. I watched this like multiple times. I just rewound it. It looked amazing. It just looks so great. Yeah, the entire segment I thought worked really well. Um, I I thought this was such an enjoyable like just television match that was I just. I was greatly entertained. Awesome performance from both men here. Great intensity and in selling from Griff Garrison. I I I thought he was great. I think uh, Malachi Black just plays such a convincing final boss. You know, inside the ring, his offense looks so good and it looks so violent. And that entrance is so special and so cool that by the time he comes in, slow walking. But wrestle, but when he wrestles, he wrestles fast. It, it it makes him legitimately look scary, and it makes him look like so, like you know, like not just like any wrestler, or not not even just a a human being at times. Like he just looks like a character, and 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 a very devastating one. So, 
uh, I think he's just been fantastic. And I can't wait to see the House of Black actually start to take shape. Yeah, there was no reference to like the the Prodi King tease last week. This seemed to be more so just is just an in ring segment, but it was a great segment. I thought this was a, a lot of fun, except for Griff and Brian. The Holiday Bash on Saturday night, nine Eastern. So four matches na- announced: Sammy Guevara and Cody Rhodes for the TNT title, Jungle Boy against Isaiah Cassidy, Hook versus Bear Bronson, and Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander. So uh, packing four matches into the hour will be uh, the Rampage lineup. So we hear from Matt Hardy and Private Party. So this is the thinking by Matt Hardy: is that Private Party want to be the number one contenders. Therefore, Isaiah Cassidy is going to pound that ass of Jungle Boy this Saturday, injuring Jungle Boy, and therefore they will be the number one contenders. Got it. Okay. So if he hurts Jungle Boy enough, they'll automatically move up into the contendership. Uh, that 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 is the plan, I guess. Um, I don't know uh, okay. private parties uh, ranking. But um, this, I, I guess this will usurp everything by just pounding that ass. We'll see if they're successful. Then uh, Cage, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus responded. Jungle Boy is bringing a lump of coal on Saturday to shove up Cassidy's ass. And he's going to be spitting out diamonds. That sounds ungodly gross. Um. And, and it would sound like a like a diamond mine of a of a gift that this man would would be able to have, you know? To oh just my god! Create. Speaking of the diamond mine, did you see the Malcolm the Malcolm Bivens clip that they found? No, I haven't. No, what's that? So he was on the bump today, and they found like WWE, their production staff. The clips that they find are just—it's amazing. They just find this clip from a SmackDown episode in 2004 where JBL is walking to the ring and slaps hands with a young Malcolm Bivens in the front row with his Panasonic camera. And they found this clip, and the clip is amazing. It's just wow. awesome. And they, they awesome. aired it for, cool. for Bivens on, on the show. It was just amazing. Um, that's how we got off track from Diamond Mine. Uh, Cage calls them dipshits and promoted their new shirt. You know, we have Jungle Boy speaking a bit more here. He definitely, I think, on the microphone is probably the least developed of the pillars. But I think he continues to sound somewhat improved. You know, he's, they're giving him a little bit more um, and and letting Cage do the heavy lifting. But still, like, Jungle Boy is, is speaking a bit more lately. And then the lineup for next Wednesday's New Year's Smash show in Jacksonville. Eddie Kingston, Santana, and Ortiz against Daniel Garcia and 2.0. The other semifinal of the TBS tournament between Jade Cargill and Thunder Rosa. Six-man tag, Adam Cole, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly in his AEW debut against Orange Cassidy, Trent, and Chuck Taylor. That match is going to be terrific. And the return of Jim Ross, which got an, an, a monstrous pop from this crowd in uh, Greensboro. And Jim Ross had stated he his last radiation treatment is next Wednesday in Jacksonville, and it seemed that he had been like giving updates that it was touch and go, but uh, they made the official announcement. So it looks like he is he is planning to be there next Wednesday night in the booth. Yeah, I'm. I, I wonder if they'll save his big walkout for the broadcast. Yeah, I would definitely like have him like 
get his own entrance and maybe he just comes out and does the main event or something like that on on Wednesday like maybe they make it really special that Jim Ross comes and does the main event or or he does the whole show we'll we'll see and then the main event MJF and FTR against CM Punk MJFTR MJFTR okay did they call themselves that that's what they were shouting in the ring yeah oh okay MJFTR against CM Punk Darby Allen and Sting SCD SCD? Oh. Yeah, yeah, I don't think that one works. D- DCS? DSC? No. So instead, um, they relied on the wardrobe department. Sting comes out in a CM Punk shirt, but more impressive is this CM Punk-inspired face paint. If there is one request, it is to get uh, like an elapsed time video of the application of this face paint. The detail on this was, this had to have taken hours I I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe I, I have no idea. But yeah, it was basically. I I just love the design of it. You know, it, it looked it really cool. It just took the CM Punk T-shirt, of course, and they kind of like played with the lightning bolts to just kind of fit into the shape, uh, the 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 Sting, um, sort of face paint shape. It worked so damn well, and I thought that was going to be the most impressive face paint that we were. I mean, it was the most impressive face paint, but it it was the the combination of the rest that kind of made the whole team look amazing. Yes, the final entrance is CM Punk, place goes wild, and out comes Sting right out of 1996. It is CM Punk dressed in the the Sting tights, the Sting boots, and of course, the Sting base paint. There was actually like a bit of a, like, he looked a bit like Jeff Farmer, like in the in the face yeah. when he was coming out. The fake okay. Sting. That's it, it, it was brunette era Sting for sure. Like a, yeah, a like your 96, 96 era Sting. Yeah. yeah. So um, number one, the first thing where my head goes is that you know they can make a ton of money when they put out your your Sting action figure, your CM Punk action figure. If they put out this threesome with Punk and C- and Sting in these outfits, you've Ooh. got an incredible line of action figures with this this three set of these th- of uh Darby Sting and Punk. It would probably be an exclusive on like what do, what do you call it like at that website? Whatever that website is that sells exclusives and it would probably cost 500 or 600 dollars on the aftermarket the next day. Like these figures are from what I hear still very difficult to find and um very collectible. So yeah. This was just a, a super entertaining six man, ex- save for like the scariest spot on dynamite in, I don't want to say of the year because there's been some frightening, frightening spots. Um, scariest since maybe uh, the the flaming table uh, a couple of weeks back. Mm-hmm. So the place just goes utterly crazy for Sting as he enters the ring. Uh, FTR, they're just... They're just living their best lives in the moment in professional wrestling. They're in Greensboro, feeding for Sting, feeding for CM Punk. Like, they're probably just having the time of their life. MJF is just playing the total coward. He goes to the floor. Punk chases him up the aisle in the crowd, down another aisle, and then he hides behind FTR as there's a big stare down on the floor, and Darby just kills everybody with the tope from hell. Uh, as they go through the commercial and get the heat on Darby. That was quite the ambitious uh, and original sequence, I have to say. You know, this big cat and mouse chase between MJF and CM Punk. And by the way, what a great job did they like what a great job they did of like, you know, dragging out the 
um, the audience's want of seeing those two finally touch and finally get their hand, uh, seeing Punk finally get his hands on MJF. But to run up the steps, down the steps, on the other side, all to lead to that Darby Tope towards leading into commercial break, I, I thought was was hilarious. Like it was exactly like a Roadrunner cartoon, and it turned out great. Uh, Sting eventually gets the tag. He's hitting the Stinger splashes. Uh, uh, we get a jumping knee strike in the corner onto FTR by Punk, uh, followed by another Stinger splash. He applies the death lock, and MJF breaks it up. Uh, Punk hits a suicide dive. Then they get control of Punk. There's the power slam splash combo by FTR. MJF has just disappeared at this point. Everyone's looking for him. And then the crowd reacts to something that happens off camera. We cut, and the timekeeper's table is turned over. Something has happened. And Darby crawls out from underneath it, and MJF is behind the table. God knows what happened here. We never got a replay of this, whatever happened. They might have not had an ankle on it. I guess not, um, which is unfortunate for Darby, who probably killed himself doing something here. The GTS gets countered into the big rig. Sting makes the save, and then MJF sneaks back in, hitting a DDT to Sting, who pops right back up, crotches MJF using the middle rope, and then, with FTR on the floor, Sting lifts up MJF with a hip toss over the top rope, and dude, MJF comes crashing down on his head. This, I, I, dude, I would just gasped. I thought that this guy was just, it looked so frightening. And Wheeler immediately goes to check on him. And somehow this dude gets up and he's ready for the next spot, which is Sting hitting a high cross to the floor. MJF was so goddamn lucky here. This was, the, this was just frightening to watch. Yeah, for everybody. Absolutely. Oh, it man. was, uh, this was like too too close for comfort, like way mm-hmm. too close. Um, mm-hmm. I, I it almost seemed like he was he didn't even hit the the padding. It seemed like he was hitting like the exposed floor. It was just a mm-hmm. nasty angle. He came down, and my God, it he was so lucky here. Completely, completely. Um, yeah, I, I you know immediately everybody watching it was, was wanted to do exactly what Cash Wheeler was doing by you know wanting to know that the man was okay, and seemingly getting right up to catch Sting on his uh, uh, big, you know, dive afterwards seemed to indicate that he was perfectly fine and that it probably looked worse than it actually felt. But if that's the case, it, he's he should absolutely count his blessings. Um, could have been really Yeah, bad. and it, it's not like this guy took a powder for the rest of the match. Like He was all involved in the remaining minutes here. He's mm-hmm. back in the ring, and Punk calls for the GTS. Dax Wheeler comes, he shoves MJF out of the way, sacrificing himself to take the GTS and is hit with it, then takes the Scorpion death drop and then this crazy coffin drop with Darby clearing like 80% of the ring as he hit this thing and Punk pins Dax. Um, Save for like, just like uh, you holding your holding your head just in stunned shock at the hip toss spot. Uh, this was such a fun six man tag, uh, unbelievable crowd for it. It seemed like these six were just, um, th- this must've been such a, uh, fun match to be part of again, save for like 20 seconds of it. That might not have been so fun. Yeah. I have to say on paper, like it, it wasn't necessarily a match that stood to me other than the fact that it was going to be sting in sort of like a adopted hometown situation. And 
the match absolutely was built around that and it completely delivered on that, you know, exceeded even somebody like for somebody like me who doesn't really have any sort of nostalgic attachment to staying in Greensboro. It felt special. This crowd reacted to all of Sting's um, appearances in the match with, with uh, I think, uh, great excitement and made made him feel. I mean, it just adds to the list of memorable Sting matches in this late run in his 62nd year on this planet. It's amazing. Absolutely There is amazing. no way. He's been here a year. There is no yeah. way you could have mapped out this year to be the run that it has been for Sting. Like, mm-hmm. I would say for booking a 61, 62-year-old man um, with the limitations that you knew of, like, his, his health, this has been goddamn perfect for Sting. Yeah. Like, the perfect use of him that has exceeded everyone's expectations they Mm -hmm. have not overused him he has more than stepped up every single time he's been given the ball um i cannot give enough praise for how sting has been used in this program and means so much sometimes i like to try to think about the value of like you know like somebody's later matches in their career by thinking about whether or not it would end up on a compilation dvd of their you know most memorable performances and in Sting's case, I I think you might like maybe take, you know, one moment from from the WWE run. Okay, let's just take Kurt Angle for instance. I would add no matches from the Kurt Angle final WWE run to the best of Kurt Angle DVD. There is nothing to me that was worthwhile about it. Maybe the Mania match with Ronda. That would that was good, and that's like the only thing that really comes to mind. Fair, okay. The Ronda the Ronda match because not it wouldn't be the other Mania match uh, against Corbin. No, but no, but you know, with Sting, I feel like you've already got amassed like two, you know, maybe three even big moments between like the cinematic match to um, the other tag match that he had with with that incredible he's hot had, run. He's had six matches. And they probably, oh, yeah. if you probably like, uh, give it some thought. Like you probably have a memory. Like it, it mm-hmm. it's never felt trivial either. Like they yeah. they know when to play the sting card, and and gr- the Greensboro Coliseum was a night to play the sting card. Totally, absolutely, the timing of it works great. I mean, it it made something, uh, it made a special moment for for the people at home uh, and the people alive in attendance. So he was fantastic. I thought everybody was fantastic. And to me, as something as simple as getting. Um, coordinated face paint between the three of them and having each of them do something special for that face paint made the night feel special and turn what would otherwise be just, you know, another kind of house show level six man into something that I thought was very memorable for everybody who watched it. Yeah, like uh, just a tremendous, tremendous uh, main event. And and I thought overall, like this was um, just a, a really great episode of Dynamite to as as their year starts to wind down and yeah this was I, I thought a really solid show yeah really fun show from the opening match which I absolutely enjoyed you had Kyle O'Reilly debut on this show you know like for most most episodes I think that alone would would probably be a, a really major talking and satisfying talking point but then you had that main event as well which I thought was really fantastic and uh throughout you know some pretty decent matches I will say um uh, I'm trying to think what what were the other big like standout talking points coming out of this one Malachi Black um that that was a fun segment yeah. um, they, they they set up a lot of stuff for Saturday and for next Wednesday Ruby Soho moves on in the tournament we had you know of course the announcement of Paige versus Brian on the TBS special right yeah that so, was a big segment yes yeah 
All right, we're going to go over to forum.postwrestling.com to see what everyone thought of the show tonight. Kicking things off is Johnny. Hey, guys, what a fun show tonight. I loved all the matches and felt like the show was designed to make the fans happy. Orange Cassidy and Adam Cole was great, and the debut of Kyle O'Reilly just adds to a stacked roster. I'm going to miss Taz on commentary. His banter between Tony and Excalibur was always natural and funny. Scary spot with MJF and Sting. Glad everything turned out fine. Do you think they are going to Hangman and Danielson too soon? Well, I can't wait to see how they top themselves. Um, should they have spaced it out more? I always look at the Okada Omega matches as excellent ways of spacing out a series of matches. I don't think so. Like it's, um, I think you kind of want to capitalize on like all the um, all the buzz coming off of the match. I can understand like you maybe would want to space it out a little bit, but January fifth is a big show, and this is a big match to put on that. They like if they weren't debuting on TBS, I might have a different feeling on that. But it's it's not just a de- debut on TBS; it's also the Prudential Center. That's a giant arena. You're also selling tickets, so that's that's a marquee match to put on. And I think for understanding those um, those factors, I think January fifth m- makes a lot of sense. And you are getting at least a two week build now for it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm curious to to know the uh, update on that. So, according to Russell Ticks, they are they've currently sold seven thousand five hundred sixty five of uh, a current setup for about nine nine hundred nine thousand eight hundred. So seventy seven percent they've sold. So um, doing well, even before like you know the announcing it. But I mean, after announcing that match, I assume that um, those tickets will probably. Because their last time at the Prudential Center in September, they did 11,500 paid, Mm -hmm. but probably a lot of those tickets were likely purchased way back for that first show that was supposed to be there, the Blood and Guts match in early 2020. So, you know, it's it's a big building. Um, Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, no, I I don't disagree with you, John. I I think you, you strike while it's hot. They need a big main event for this TBS show. And, you know, I, I think we need a hangman page title defense if it's not going to be at uh, Battle of the Belts. And I don't know how many challengers people are going to buy, you know, when, when Brian just did this. And if the match is good, you can still go to it in the future. But because it, the result was so unsettled afterwards, it doesn't really make sense in a real-life situation to not give the guy who went to a draw with your champion uh, another rematch. Like, if this was in the UFC, I think you would get this exact match up next. We go to Seren from Portland who says, I'm so glad Kyle is all elite and far away from Von Wagner and his weird yoga pants. I can't believe somebody in the front row got their transphobic Nyla Rose sign on TV. I really hope they kicked that asshole out of the building. It seems like from reports they did. I loved how they tweaked Malachi Black's entrance and cut to Black right as Justin Roberts said, Black. (laughs) Amazing. Yeah, main event face paint was great. All right, cool. Next, we go to Brian from New Jersey. Another fun episode. The main event may have been my favorite match of the night and definitely had the best face paint. Malachi Black uh, has never clicked with me. This, the episode had a lot of good promos to build to future shows, the highlights being Danielson and Page. Prick Danielson is the best Danielson, though he continues coming out the babyface entrance. I could have done without the allusions to pounding ass between the Hardy family office and Jungle Boy, as well as that tasteless sign towards Nyla Rose. On the bright side, a friend of mine who attended tonight's show in Greensboro alerted me to someone having three signs for Hook. Last, Lastly, hooray for Kyle O'Reilly coming in, another one of the best wrestlers out there. Whether or not Roderick Strong shows up, if this reunited contingent hits it off in AEW, it could be an undisputed egg on the face of WWE. 
I mean, I just took pounding ass to to be like you know like beating the person up. I I, I don't know. That's if... that's how I took it. Yeah, yeah. We got an Anthony who says MJF proved why he was he has a good head for the business. I hope he's okay. Oh, yeah. I missed the first half of the show doing some Christmas shopping. I caught the second hour and it had a fun old school vibe to it. The arrival of all elite cool Kyle was a nice touch, and I expect a BTE segment where Cole and O'Reilly patch their differences, just like John Stewart and Riot Sinak did off Stewart's last night on to the Today Show. Okay, um, I hope they do that on Dynamite. You know that to me feels like it's it would be a, a, a bit important, especially since they teased it on Dynamite that they had something unresolved. Um, that I hope it would play itself out without having to, you know, reach, uh, without having somebody watch BTE for it. Uh, next, we go to David from Israel. Really solid edition of Dynamite. Like the Kyle debut, but I feel the interference, uh, interference ref spots in AEW are really played out and contrived by now. Fun main event, and I love how it seems like AEW has got the main event tag formula nailed down to a T. Seeing Punk and Sting smiling out there really made me happy. Punk definitely showed impressive cardio during this match. Hopefully MJF is fine after that scary dive. Happy holidays to all of the post-wrestling family and to John and Way. Enjoy your week off. Well, thank you, David. Thanks, David. We got a muggin who says, A good newsworthy show. Adam Cole being from between two being torn between two families is an intriguing story to head into the new year with Kyle O'Reilly making his debut. I was a little off about Hangman and Danielson being at Battle of the Belt. It's real smart to use that rematch to bolster the TBS debut. UFC taught me to never leave it in the hands of the judges. I hope there's an actual finish. Ruby and Nyla have some good chemistry. And Wardlow took another step toward his impending split from MJF and the closing six-man tag was, was fun. It was pretty neat to see Punk pay tribute to Sting. Yes. And the last word of the night goes to Kate from Montreal. Really fun show tonight. There was some silliness to be sure, but in the most enjoyable kind of way. I like the hints of tension with Adam Cole and his Undisputed Era loyalties versus elite loyalties. O'Reilly might not be a surprise, but he is more than welcome, and I look forward to seeing what he does from here on out. The Owen tribute video was well done, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how the tournaments are structured. Based on tonight, I'd say there's a decent chance that we are going to get Sheeta versus Deeb again. Although they've had three matches, I'm not too worried about having another in the near future. Best wishes to you for the holiday season. Thanks so much for doing what you do and letting me participate. Well, the door is always open, Kate, to uh, have you on the program. And uh, another quick plug here. Kate will be appearing on the... That's uh, right. Uh, wrestling the big, quiz. The big-ass wrestling quiz of 2021. Mm-hmm. I, I've also been informed that there's been a late change in partner for Kate. Oh, so she will not be teaming with our Andrew Thompson, but somebody else. And I'm going to wait for the reveal on uh, the podcast. Okay. Well, look out for that. That will be on the British Wrestling Experience feed on Thursday as Martin Bushby will be hosting a quiz testing everyone's knowledge of 2021. Three teams of two, including uh, Kate from Montreal being one of the participants. So do check that out on Thursday as well as MCU later on Thursday evening with Wei Ting. W.H. Park, Nate Milton, and J.P. Houlihan. What an all-star cast. Uh, you know, we have to. We, we got to bring some people in from the uh, Kings of Sport universe and mix them in with some people from the Grapple universe. And uh, we'll, we'll do it up and we'll do it live again, 10 o'clock Thursday for all cafe patrons. 
All right. So on that note, we will be back on Thursday live. Once again, special start time, noon Eastern, as we will be going through the news. And if we don't get a chance to say it on Thursday, I want to thank uh, all of you for all of your support throughout the year. This was a very big year for us at Post Wrestling, uh, introducing a lot of new shows, a lot of new ideas. And it means the world to us for those of you that uh, check out our shows, that check out the site, that tune in live provide feedback, uh, all the different ways of which you support us. So thank you very much for a really great year here at the site. Yeah, likewise. Um, I I, want to thank, of course, all the audience and people who are patrons, people who aren't patrons or are simply enjoying us and listening to the free feed. We appreciate all of you guys. And a special thank you, of course, to you, John, for uh, another great year. I mean, we're coming up on, what is this, our third anniversary, fourth anniversary now? 24th, you know, to be exact. Fourth yes. anniversary, jeez, wow. Okay, so no, 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 for, uh, no. We 2017. It's, it's, yeah, four four years. Third four anniversary. Years. Third anniversary. Sorry, I got my yeah. WWE math wrong. Um, no, no, you were right. It's dude. It was 2017 we started. I don't even have yeah. the years right in my head. So it is our fourth anniversary. Fourth right? anniversary. Yes. Wow. Okay. Four wow. years. Look at this. Wow, it's wait. A, it's an wait, Olympic we lasted cycle. An, a, an Olympic cycle. Wow. A go, presidential dude. term. Yeah, we 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 passed the leap here. Damn. Um, so, uh, th- thank you as always, John, for, you know, just, uh, deciding to do, start this with me and, uh, uh, being, being who you are and, and doing a great job every single day. Those in the know are aware. I'm just in the passenger seat. Way has got his, his hand on the wheel. Um, so there, that is going to wrap things up and the Christmas show, the Christmas show drops on Friday. So, uh, if for whatever reason you are having uh withdrawal, trust me, Friday, we're dropping a monster on you. So look out for that. Uh, what time will the show be going up on Friday, Way? Uh, up to you. What do you think? Uh, we'll mor- we'll, yeah, we'll put it up in the, mor- the morning of Christmas Eve. So Friday, Friday morning. Sounds go good up. to me. Yeah. That is it. Thanks to everybody for listening.